join in on, on some worship uh, before Matt comes up and preaches and delivers a message. So please join with me as we sing to God be the glory. church and thanks for coming to IBC online. This is the very first time we've ever done anything like this before and uh, man I love it. I'm, I'm glad that we have a church that number one wants to meet even though we can't and wants to worship and wants to be involved in all things going on as a normal Sunday church and so I love that you're in your living room. I love that you're on your devices and I love that we are able to still have church together. Let me do this. Let me pray for us real fast, and then TJ is going to come back up. He's going to continue to lead us in some worship, and then I'll come back at the end of all that and give you a message that I believe is pertinent to what's going on in our situation and our climate today. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for uh, technology that allows us to do things that are just out of the ordinary. And Father, I pray that today that uh, even in our separation and even in our distance from each other, God, that you are still very much present here with us. And Father, we know that uh, Scripture says when two or three are gathered in your name, Father, we are gathered and that you are here with us. And we're so thankful for that. God, thanks for the time that we have together to worship and the time we have together to, to open your word. God, let it be pertinent. Let it be, let it be something that we can apply in our own life this very day. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. We want you to continue to worship with us as we sing Lion of the Lamb.
sing, who can stop the Lord Almighty? There is nothing that can stop it. Let's sing about that same power that's living inside of us. I can see waters raging at my feet. I can feel breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road.
continue that thought, but this time as we sing Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine.
Would you bow with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for that power that you so freely bestow on us. Father, the power that you have to heal the sick, the power that you have to to conquer everything that faces us on this earth. Father, everything bows before you. Father, everything in creation, everything in the heavens, bow at your feet. Father, we are so thankful that we can call you Father. Father, during this time of of unrest and, and fear and things, Father, I pray that you would give us a a sense of your peace, a sense of your mercy and blessing on our lives, that you would protect us, Father, that you would watch over us. And Father, help us to know that we have an assurance in you, that your promises you always keep. Father, your faithfulness, Father, never fails. Father, we pray that as Matt comes and shares your word uh, to all of us, Father, that you would bring a sense of power and boldness through him, through the Spirit, Father. And just allow your truth to pierce all of our hearts, Father, and just to open our eyes to who you are. Father, we love you and we worship you. And it's in Jesus' holy and precious name we pray these things. Well, good morning. I am so excited to preach online. I know it sounds weird because every Sunday we're online. We, we upload our messages every week and uh, we do this, but I've never preached to an empty room before. It's kind of weird. Uh, matter of fact, in the 14 years that I've been here, this month, March, marks our 14-year anniversary. And for the past four years as your pastor, uh, I've, I've had better crowds than this. And so I just want to say thanks for watching online. I think this is really great because here's what I love about this. It's creative. Uh, it, it gives us an opportunity to still reach and still meet and still talk about things that are important things, but it gives us a creative outlet to do that because when you think about, go back to Genesis uh, chapter 1 and the creation narrative of that, God is creative. He is infinitely creative. Think about how he made uh, mountains and bugs and uh, stars and whales and dandelions. And then he made you and I. And, and aren't you glad that he's creative? Well, I think when we do things like this, man, this is, God kind of gives us a little nod going, that, that's kind of out of the box. That's a good thing. That's creative. And so I love being able to do all this stuff. So with all the coronavirus and the, if you're fancy, the, the COVID-19 or the social distance, what all this, we are still able to meet and do something brand new. And I think uh, it's still God honoring in all the process that we're going to do. So I've got a I've got a quick uh, message for you today. We're gonna we're gonna look at some things and we're gonna talk about some things from the perspective of what's going on in our culture. And I and I'm just I'm just really grateful that you're able to to watch with us. So this week's been pretty interesting. Uh, it's we've had lots of 
press conferences and lots of announcements throughout our country and even in our own little neck of the woods in our community. And, and we've got people on both ends of the spectrum in all reality. We've got some who are just going on about their daily lives like nothing has ever happened. I feel like some people are still outside licking on doorknobs. They're just, they just don't care, right? And then we have people on the other side who have... 75 rolls of toilet paper in their house right now for some reason that nobody really knows why. And, and I'm not saying that either one of them are wrong, right? We just don't know uh, what to happen and how to actually respond to some things. And I believe that our appropriate response to the church is to do exactly what Jesus said. Think back in Matthew chapter 22. Remember the story when one of the religious leaders comes and he's trying to trick Jesus into answering a question wrong. And he, he asks Jesus, he says, what's the most important commandment? Y'all remember that? And Jesus responds back with, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And then he said, but the second one is just like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. See, I love that Jesus answered a question that the man wasn't asking. He, he asked, what's the most important? And Jesus says, well, I'm going to give you the two most important ones. Love God and love others. No matter what their opinion is in, in the middle of this uh, crisis, no matter what's going on in the middle of this virus, no matter their actions or lack of actions, our responsibility to the church is to love God and to love others other people. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look at a passage of scripture that you've probably read a thousand times, one that's very familiar, one that I believe uh, speaks to this time of uncertainty and how we respond and how God responds to uncertainty. So if you have a Bible, I encourage you to open it up, uh, kind of follow along with me. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4. Uh, in the beginning of Mark chapter 4, Jesus is teaching a crowd, and he's on the, on the bank of the Sea of Galilee. He's been in Capernaum, and he's, he's kind of done his thing, and he's got this crowd of folks who are following after him, and he's really trying to kind of just, um, he's trying to teach them all at the same time, and so he's, he's doing something called uh, teaching them parables. It's just really kind of relatable stories that are teachable stories that he's using and he gives us the, the parable of the sower you guys remember that one where he scatters the seed and some lands on the rocky soil some lands on the good soil he gives us the parable of the lamp and the bowl and he also gives us the parable about the mustard seed right and all these things i love in, in mark chapter 4 verse 33 it says this with many similar parables jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable, but when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. I love this for two reasons. Number one, that the scripture says, as much as they could understand. Jesus wasn't trying to overload the people with information. He wasn't trying to, to, to put more on there than their minds could really even grab onto at that moment. And never once did he even say that he was frustrated with how little or how much they could understand. I believe sometimes, church, that we get in this mindset that if we don't understand everything, then we're not getting anything. And that's never what Jesus uh, said. That's never how he approached it. He literally says, I'm going to give you as much as you can understand. And then Mark says, when he was alone with his disciples, he explained everything. Because see, Jesus wanted his disciples to get it. He wanted them to understand. He wanted them to go deeper. And he wanted all their questions to be answered. He pushed them. He stretched them. 
And he, he took them beyond their own understanding into a new level of knowledge and of understanding of who God is. Jesus, on a very basic level, is a teacher. And he used parables and these relatable stories to teach his disciples more and more and more about who he really is. And sometimes, even sometimes, he used real-life instances to reinforce a thought that he had. Now, if you keep reading in Mark, we're going to see one of these real-life instances play out. So if you're, if you're following with me, Mark chapter 4, let's go to verse 35. It says this, When the day... Uh, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go over to the other side. This is still the same day of all the parables. Uh, he's still in this teaching mindset. And Jesus says, hey, let's get in the boat together. Let's do something that we've done a hundred times before. Let's go to the other side. Now, those of you who know this story knows what happens next. But don't miss that he's still in a teaching mindset. Verse 36. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was, in the boat. There were also other boats with them. A furious squall came up, and waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. I love the language of Scripture, because honestly, we just don't talk like that anymore. A furious squall, right? Uh, the, I was reading a commentary, and this, it said this. It's describing this storm. It says, Not a single gust or a steady blowing wind, however violent, but a storm breaking forth from black thunder clouds in furious gusts with floods of rain, throwing everything topsy-turvy. Yeah, it said topsy-turvy, right? If you're from up north, you would call this a nor'easter, right? If you're a meteorologist, you'd probably say it was a supercell. Uh, if you're from South Arkansas, you'd probably say it was raining cats and dogs, or my favorite, it's a gully washer, right? Because it's just this major storm that comes in, and they're in the middle of the lake on these very simple boats. The Bible says that the waves broke over the boat and it nearly sank. This is a very scary moment. This is a very uncertain situation that the disciples are in. Sound familiar? What's going on in our community and going on around the world really is scary and it's uncertain. And there's all these different opinions about how it should be handled. And here the disciples are almost in the same sort of situation. And I know a lot of us are probably thinking like, it's fine because Jesus is in the boat. Like what could go wrong with Jesus in the boat? But if we keep reading in verse 38, the very first part of that verse says this, Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. I love that, right? I just imagine Jesus having the very best sleep of his life. Like he is just knocked out so sleepy. He was exhausted. He had been walking around all day. He had been teaching and he was tired. I don't even know what kind of cushion this was, but I bet it had to be comfy, right? I think about when I was in high school, one of my very best friends had uh, he had gotten a new car. It was his first car, uh, and he got a 1977 baby blue 
Ford LTD. I mean, this thing was as long as our sanctuary. It probably weighed 15 tons, but when you rode in it, it rode like a cloud. I mean, it just hovered over the ground. You could run over a bank in that thing, and you would barely even feel the car just wobble. Matter of fact, he, he was going to school one day and had a wreck, and he rear-ended a Ford probe. Y'all remember those? That's kind of a, that shows my age. A Ford probe, and demolished the probe it looked like it exploded but the front end of that ltd was just kind of messed up it didn't mess up the transmission it didn't mess up the engine and and my buddy was so excited he thought i'm going to get a new car out of this but his dad was resourceful and he found a 1978 front end to put on the 1977 uh, car that had been wrecked but the problem was is that the front end was cherry red. And so my friend, for the rest of his high school days, drove around in a 77, 78, baby blue and cherry red Ford LTD, and it was the coolest car ever. I just, I just imagine Jesus' cushion being as comfy and as, as, as smooth riding as that Ford LTD was. But here's what we know. We know that he was asleep, and then we know that the disciples went to him. Look at verse 38 again. It says, Jesus is in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drowned? That's an incredible moment that the disciples go to Jesus, right? We all say, great, good for them. They were in the middle of a crisis. They were in the middle of an uncertain situation, and they went to the source, right? They went to the only person that they knew to go to. They went to Jesus. And church, can I just say this? Can I just say, do the same thing. Do the exact same thing. Yes, listen to our local authorities. Listen to our medical professionals. I mean, hello, we are online this morning for a reason, right? But can we just say in, in moments of uncertainty, can we just run to him? Can we just go to the source? Can we seek his face and pray and figure out what he has for us and find comfort in him over and over in scripture uh, we're reminded that god is is for us he is on our side psalms 9 9 says the lord is a refuge for the oppressed and a stronghold in times of trouble psalms 9 says may your unfailing love be my comfort isn't that great and then deuteronomy 31 8 the lord himself goes before you and he will be with you he will never leave you or forsake you do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Does it mean that we're not allowed to be af afraid or not allowed to be uncertain? Absolutely not, because those are, those are natural God-given emotions. It just means that when we feel those feelings, when they begin to well up inside of us, we go to Him. We go to the one who can give us comfort. Then the disciples ask this question that I think is so pertinent to our situation today they ask don't you care don't you care how many times have we asked that question to God how many times have things gone crazy in our life or in our relationships and we just said God don't you even care about me don't you care that my marriage is falling apart? Don't you care, care that my kids are running wild? Don't you care that my career is about to be ruined? God, don't you care that I need things that I can't afford? That, that I'm sick and I'm not getting any better? That 
my spouse or my parents or my grandparents or whoever, my friend. God, I need you. Don't you care? Church, if you don't hear anything this morning, please hear this. God cares. Listen, when it comes to the craziness and the things surrounding our life, He cares. When it comes to the storms of our life, He cares. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Him sleeping on a cushion is not a lack of concern, right? Him sleeping on a cushion is an assurance of control. He's, he's very much in control of the storms that happen in our life. Our storms do not take away his sovereignty. Our, our chaos does not diminish his control. He cares. And look what Jesus did. Keep reading verse 39. It says this, He got up, he rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was perfectly calm. Your Bible may say, peace be still right some say peace some say quiet it's a greek word here that just means silence or stillness and what's really interesting about this is that there are two greek words that mean that one of them means like a uh, a unwillingness to speak like you're giving somebody the silent treatment you're just not going to respond to them and they're being silent the other one the one that's used here in mark 4 literally means an involuntary stillness. Listen, our storms, they don't want to be calm. They don't want to, they don't want to, they don't want to subside. They want to continue to rage and rage inside of us. But Jesus has the authority to calm it anyway. Your anxiousness or your uncertainty around this whole virus situation may feel out of control or it may feel like it's building and building inside of us. But know this, if God can calm the storm on the sea, he can calm the storms in us. Listen, at the voice of God, the wind died down. And it says it, meaning the sea, got completely calm. Man, isn't that great? I'm not saying that if we run to Jesus that this virus is going away. That's what I'm saying. But I am saying if your life feels kind of all over the place, it feels like it's being tossed around or, or something in your life is, is scary or uncertain, or if you're emotionally or physically or spiritually, remember that word from earlier, topsy-turvy? Remember that? If, if that's how you feel, man, God can calm that in you. He can calm and quiet your storm. And listen... Real talk, it didn't change the disciples' situation. They were still in a boat in the middle of a lake. But there was a calm and there was a quiet that was different. Listen, when when God comes in, your situation may not change. Your marriage still may suffer. Your kids still may be nuts and crazy. Listen, your bank account may still be in the red. But just like the disciples in the boat, your storm will be gone. Now, don't list this last part. They woke up Jesus. They asked him, don't you care? And he quiets the storm, and then he turns to them. And this is where we want to stop reading. If we realize, we just say, let's skip this part. When they turn, he starts to address the guys. But listen to what he says. Verse 40, he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Man, this is, this is a hard one. This one gets us right in the mouth. And here's my two cents on this. Is, this is mad overall commentary if there's even never going to be such a thing. When Jesus asks, 
why they're afraid. I don't believe he's talking about the storm. I think he knows why they're afraid of the storm, right? Storms are scary. Like, this is the natural reaction of fear or uncertainty. I believe he's questioning their question to him. He's answering their question with another question. Remember what they asked him? They say, don't you care? And Jesus answers that by saying, why are you so afraid? Almost, almost, why are you so afraid that I still don't care? I, I just, I expect uh, that Jesus in the inside of his, uh, of his soul is just thinking everything about me is proof that I care. Everything that I, everything in my being is proof that, listen, he left the glory and the splendor and the majesty of heaven and he came down, the eternal sinless son of God came to earth to take on flesh and bone and he came to die. His only purpose was to die so that we can have right relationship with the father. He did all of that as proof that he cares for us. And I just believe that Jesus in this moment is not reprimanding the disciples for an emotion surrounding their uncertain situation. He's calling them to a bigger picture. His words almost scream off the page, yes, I care. Of course I care. I'm here. And then it hit me. As I was studying through this week and praying about what we were going to talk about, it hit me like a ton of bricks. Where were the disciples? They were in a boat in the middle of the lake. Where was Jesus? He was with them in the boat in the middle of the lake, in the middle of the storm. In the middle of the thing that scared them the most, he was with them. In the middle of the storm, he was with them. Jesus is not sitting back and watching our struggle or watching our uncertainty or watching our fear like it's some movie on a screen. He is here with us in the middle of it all. He understands our fear. He understands our uncertainty. He is here with us. In church, in his own words, why do we still have no faith? Oh. Here's my last thought, and I'm done. The reality of the message today is when we begin to look at the disciples' reaction on the back end of it. It's actually the title of my message, which is, Who is this? Look what verse 41 says. They were terrified, and they asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They were, just get it, they were terrified. Now, when, when I read this, I go, why are you afraid now? The storm is gone. Like you, you should have been afraid earlier. And if you read scripture, this is the very first time that the Bible says that the disciples were afraid. They, it, it was implied pretty heavily when they were going to wake him up asking, don't you care if we drown? They, obviously, they were afraid then. But the very first time it says they were terrified is when they realized just how powerful Jesus is. Just how incredible his presence is with them. And they start asking each other, who is this guy that the wind and the waves obey him? That's my question to you as we close this morning. Who is he? Who is this Jesus? Is he simply your backup plan? 
Is, is he your, you know, storms come and, and, and maybe you just call for help and he comes and he, he pulls you out of whatever mess that you've gotten yourself into? Is he some spectator God who is almost amused at our chaos? Or, or is he God in the boat with you? Is he watching over you? Is he wanting the best for you? Is he the calmer of storms, the giver of grace, the peace speaker? I like that. Is he the author of your salvation? Who is he? Who is he to you? Listen, the wind and the waves are the least of the things that obey him. So in these times of uncertainty, rest in this. He's in the boat with us. He's not left us alone, and He is very much in control. Let's pray together. Father, we love You, and we thank You for today, and thank You for this very simple story that maybe we've heard a number of different times, but when, uh, when kind of paralleled with what's going on in our world, Father, it brings on a whole new meaning. God, thanks for being a God that's in the boat with us, that's in the middle of our storm, and that has authority over all of it. And so, Father, as, as question marks continue to come, as more and more information continues to flood in uh, day by day by day, God, I just pray that when it comes to the, our spirit, when it comes to our soul, God, that we are very calm, that we are, we are covered in peace, and, Father, that we can be an assurance to other people, and we can continue to love others, and point them to Jesus. God, thanks for this morning. Thanks for this opportunity to be in living rooms and on cell phones and on tablets and laptops all over Bradley County and beyond. God, I just thank you that, that this is, uh, is God-honoring. This is church, and we have had church this morning. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, I've got a couple of quick announcements I want to run through with you guys before I let you out of here. Uh, I just want to say again, thanks so much for being a part of our very first IBC online service. I think it's really cool. I love that our church has the ability and the technology to be able to do this and that we can still all meet. And so there's a few things that we want you to know as we move forward. Please take advantage of the family devotions that are online. Uh, on Wednesday, Dustin uploaded a, a service for our students. And so make sure you, if, if you have uh, kiddos, make sure you watch that with them. There's some question and answer things underneath all that. We'll kind of walk your kiddos through that. Uh, and then also attached to this message is going to be a little family devotion uh, that I've topped up to, to kind of walk through some of the ideas that we got through talking about uh, in, this, in the sermon. Uh, and there's also resources available uh, from everything from uh, online classes to uh, some, some books I think we've even got on there. It's just some really good stuff on the website. Check all that out if you have not yet and, and take advantage of all those things. Uh, do, the, do the small group time. Do the family devos. Even if you take five minutes around the dinner table or in the living room before your kids go to bed, talk about this stuff. I think it's important to continue to do that. Remember, this week is spring break week, and so we have already planned to have no services this Wednesday night, so there's nothing happening here at the church Wednesday. And then as, it, as we move closer to Sunday, we'll, 
we will reassess weekly. We're not canceling eight weeks out. We're just, we're just taking it week by week. And so we may be back here online again this next week. Or we may say, hey, it, you know, threat's over. Everybody come back. Uh, but just check on all of our online sources uh, through our Facebook page and the, the web page that you're on right now. Uh, if you're not a part of our texting service, then be a part of that as well. You get some information in that direction as well. Uh, there are lots of folks who are asking uh, the, the big question of how do we continue to give? How can we, how can we still give our offering and our tithe as, uh, through obedience and through worship? How can we do that if we're not meeting in a physical space? And so there's four ways to do that. Number one, just drop it by the church. Uh, that's totally fine. We'd love for you to do that. We will take that and we'll put it in the, in the vault and there's no big deal. We'd, we'd happily take that from you at the church. Number two, you can mail it in. Okay, That's super easy. People still use stamps and postage and snail mail. So please feel free to do that. Uh, or you can uh, give online. If you're on our webpage right now, then there should be a tab in the corner that says Give. Uh, you click that, and that'll walk you through the steps to, to enter in your information. And you can set that up as a one-time uh, gift, or you can do it as a, a, a multiple, what I'm trying to say, uh, over and over, reoccurring payment uh, or gift through the church. So you can do all that through the website. Or uh, if you don't have access to all that, you don't want to deal with all that, you can text. Uh, you can text IBC Warren, all one big long word, and the amount that you're going to give. So it could be IBC Warren, uh, $200. IBC Warren, $250. Whatever it is, $450. Whatever you're giving, uh, text that to 73256. 73256. If you text those things to them, it'll take you right through our giving platform and let you give like that. Know this. During all of this, we as a staff are here. And we are here to serve you. We're here to help you. We're here to love you and we are going to get all through all this stuff together uh and and man i can't wait to see the the conversations that are going to come out of this and i pray that we as emmanuel church can continue to serve our community and serve each other and to love jesus thanks for watching we'll see you next time